it's hard to believe I have faith that you'll do greater things It's my time to go But before I leave Go tell the world about me I was dead but now I live I've gotta go now for a little while But goodbye's not the end Don't Forget the things that I taught you. I conquer death and I hold the keys. Where I go, you will go too someday. There's much to do here before you What a privilege, what a responsibility we have to share this message with a lost and dying world. What a hope is ours that he's coming again. This morning, I want us to consider the essential doctrine of predestination. It's one of those big theological terms. The doctrine of predestination, when it's understood as it is presented in in the Bible, It's one of those doctrines that that should give us great assurance as believers in Jesus Christ. We know what our destiny is if we understand the doctrine of predestination. But this doctrine has also been a source of much confusion and debate among the theologians. But I believe that God has chosen us, the base of this world, the foolish, according to the world standard, to reveal to us the wisdom of the universe— And that each one of us, theologians can debate all they want, but I believe that each one of us who are willing to look to the Lord in faith can have an understanding of this glorious doctrine of predestination. It's not too difficult. It's not too hard. 
because the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the understanding. He's not relying on our education. He's not relying on our IQ. Aren't you glad? (laughs) We can know the secrets of the universe that God wants us to know just because of his grace, because he loves us. And so let's Let's consider this this doctrine. Let's begin in Romans chapter 8, one of the clearest passages concerning predestination, in verses 29 and 30 of Romans chapter 8. The doctrine of predestination is a stumbling block to so many because they understand it to mean, many understand it to mean that God has got everything all planned out and foreordained apart from man's choice. They feel like God has chosen some to go to heaven and some to go to hell apart from man's freedom of choice. And that leads to a lot of, lot of error, not only of doctrine, but of conduct and practice as well. But that's not what the Bible teaches concerning predestination. Romans 8, verse 29, for whom he, God, foreknew, that's where it starts, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. This scripture is one of the, the clearest passages on this subject. And it also, as you see, links it to several other important companion truths or doctrines, that of foreknowledge and of calling, or sometimes we'll use the term, the Bible will use the term election. So these doctrines, they go hand in hand, and, and they help us to understand the, the full picture of our redemption, of our salvation. Notice that all of these verbs that are used here are in the past tense. This is important. This is part of our, our assurance and our confidence knowing that these works of God, these works of his grace, are already accomplished in the mind of God. And when did God declare these things to be true? When did he foreknow us? When did he predestine us? When did he call us and justify us and even glorified us as far as his divine plan was concerned? Well, let's go to Ephesians 1.4 so we know the scriptural foundation. This is not a matter of opinion or what you think. It's what the Bible declares to be true, and you either believe it or you don't. But in Ephesians 1 and verse 4, we read these words, Just as he chose us in him, just as God the Father chose us in Christ. When? When did that happen? Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We could also jump to Revelation 17, 8, for time's sake, we won't read the the uh, whole passage there, but there we find out that those that are not written in the book of life, they were not written before the foundation of the world, before the world began. God knew who would be in the Lamb's book of life and who would not. Our eternal destinies are settled from past eternity. Now, does that mean that we don't have free choice in the matter, that we don't make decisions that we're accountable for? Not at all. We are not driven. God does not make us any individual make certain choices. We are created in God's image, and a part of that image is the ability to make decisions. He gave us that ability of choice. 
because he wanted that relationship that, that he purposed for his creature, us, to be based on love and on faith. To have faith, you have to be able to choose to believe God or not believe God. Now, make no mistake about it, God is sovereign. Those who accuse us of, of annulling the sovereignty of God when we, we talk, when we teach predestination the way the Bible teaches it, because some believe God sovereignly predestined some to hell, predestined some to heaven by his sovereignty. Doesn't matter what, what man thinks. Make no mistake about it, God is sovereign. He can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. Absolutely, God is sovereign. But God has sovereignly chosen. It was his choice. He's the creator. We're his creature. But he's chosen to give us the ability to choose. That's the sovereignty of God. And so that brings us now to this first step in the process of predestination. Those that he foreknew. This is where God's sovereignty and our freedom of choice come together. God holds man accountable for his choices. God doesn't make them make certain choices, doesn't make some accept Jesus, and doesn't make some reject him. The opportunity is for all, as we'll see from Scripture. But he does hold man accountable for those choices. Let's start with a definition of foreknowledge and a definition of foreordination, which is a synonym for predestination, to foreordain something. I'm borrowing this definition from a commentary that I, I found online that I, that I agree with. It's concise, so I thought I would just read this definition. Foreknowledge is defined as God's perfect knowledge of the future. Perfect knowledge of the future. Foreordination is defined, and predestination, as God's ordering of future events so that they are absolutely determined by his will. Okay, two, two different de- definitions. Foreknowledge, God's perfect knowledge of the future. Foreordination and predestination is God's ordering of events so that they execute his perfect will. So foreknowledge is not the same as foreordination. Foreknowledge is not of itself causative. In other words, just because God knows something doesn't mean he made it happen. He simply knew that it would happen. From God's eternal vantage point, his knowledge is perfect. He sees the end from the beginning. That boggles our finite mind because our knowledge is based on experience or education. God just knows. He's the source of knowledge. He knows everything from the beginning. God from past eternity knew what your decision concerning Jesus Christ would be. He didn't make you make a decision one way or the other. You had free choice to accept or reject the gift of his son. But from past eternity, God knew what you would choose. And based on that foreknowledge, whom he foreknew, those he predestined. That means to set boundaries around, to set limits around, to fix your destiny. From past eternity... My destiny was already settled in heaven based on his foreknowledge, his grace that provided the perfect sacrifice for my sins by his son. 2 Timothy 1, 9. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time 
began. Now jump over to Acts 2 and verse 23, and we understand that there were some other things predestined, not only my salvation, but the source of my salvation from past eternity. Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Him, Jesus, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Okay, so God's foreknowledge knew me and knew my decision, but in his foreknowledge, he also knew the need for his son to die for my sin. Being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put him to death. So there we see God's side and man's side. Man chose to crucify the Son of God. And apart from those looking to Jesus as their Savior, they will be held accountable for those choices to reject the Son of God, Israel, for rejecting their Messiah. But God had already determined that he would die on the cross before the world began. God's foreknowledge is more than knowing what might happen or even what probably will happen. Sometimes we can have that kind of foreknowledge, can't we? Well, this will probably happen. But God's knowledge goes beyond that. He knows what will happen. And God in his perfect knowledge, before Adam was created, the Trinity had a council meeting to determine some things, to predetermine some things. From that council meeting, and I'm putting it in human terms, obviously, from that council meeting of the Trinity, in past eternity, before the world was created, several things were determined. First of all, man would be created in God's image. He's going to have free choice. That's their sovereign decision. But God also knew that Satan would attempt to ruin God's creation, would tempt Adam to sin, and God knew that Adam would choose to sin. Foreknowledge. And based on knowing that choice, it was also God's predetermined plan to provide a Savior for Adam and his race. That his son, that the son of God would have to become flesh and die to represent the human race, to pay the debt of sin. God knew all of that. He determined those things. Because of his foreknowledge, he predestined these things to happen. He foreordained them. And all of this is an act of his grace, his love, his mercy. He's the creator. He created us. He didn't have to save us. He didn't have to redeem us. He didn't redeem the angels. Those that rebelled following Satan, they're not redeemed. They will be eternally separated from the presence of God. There's no provision for them. But he saved us. He made a plan before the world began. You see how salvation is God's work? It's not yours. It's not mine. It's foolish for us to think we could earn it or keep it. He gave it to us. From that council meeting, the decision was everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, as the one who laid down his life for the sins of the world, he predestined that they would be eternally his, that they would have eternal life, that their destiny was not death, not separation, but life and eternal fellowship with our Creator. That's what predestination is. Those that he foreknew, he predestined. First Timothy 2, those that believe that Salvation is based solely on the sovereign choice of God and that man has no part in accepting or rejecting that offer of grace are ignoring these very clear passages that tell us that God desires all men to be saved. 
Now, either the gospel is true in its invitation or it's a lie. And this is why we know that predestination is based on God's foreknowledge of what our choice would be. And once again, the ability for us to make that choice is God's sovereign will. He is sovereign, but he chose to give us this ability, but also to hold us accountable for those choices. First Timothy 2 and verses 3 to 6. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires how many? All men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So if God was sovereignly going to make a choice, according to this passage, He would make everybody saved because that's his desire. But since salvation is not based on his sovereignty solely, but on his foreknowledge, we see that we have a part in accepting or rejecting. But the provision is, God's will is, that all men be saved. That's the provision that he's made. John 3.16. You know it, but do you see how the provision is for everyone, but God holds people accountable accountable for the decision that they make concerning Jesus Christ that he knew they would make, whether it be for him or against him. He knew the decision. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, now either that means what it means or, or it's a lie. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10 verses 12 and 13 Familiar passages, but for those who may not know them or know the foundation of predestination, when you are confronted with someone who likes to label themselves as a Calvinist, who believes that God sovereignly chooses some to heaven and some to hell, point them to these clear scriptures and ask them to explain how how they can justify that understanding of predestination in the light of these verses. Romans 10, verses 12 and 13. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, whosoever will. From past eternity, God knew what my free choice would be concerning his son. I didn't know. I was saved pretty young, about five years old. But I didn't know. Before then, some of you were saved as adults. You didn't know what your choice would be, your final choice. Some of you probably rejected the invitation for some time. You didn't know there was going to come a day when you were just so overwhelmed by the love of God that you you finally accepted his offer of grace. But God already knew. And because he knew, he set a path for you that would lead to that time when you accepted Jesus. And then would lead you all the way to to glory. He set that path for you before the world was created. What assurance. Those that wake up every morning and wonder if they're going to heaven. Have I been good enough today? And they go to bed. Have I been good enough today to go to heaven? Do you see how foolish it is in the light of of the doctrine of predestination? I know I'm going to heaven. That's not arrogance. It's humble faith. I believe what God said he would do. I believe his word. I, d- I didn't deserve it. I, don't earn, I didn't earn it. But I'm sure going to receive it. I'm going to believe it. 
and it gives me great peace. I don't live in constant condemnation. I'm predestined. He's put limits to mark out beforehand what my destiny is. My destiny is to be like his son. My destiny is to be accepted in the presence of God, according to Ephesians 1, 6, and 7. I'm accepted in the beloved because of what Jesus did. I know I stand accepted in the presence of a holy God. Despite the fact that I was born in sin, despite the fact of my limitations, I know I'm accepted by God in Jesus Christ because it was predestined that way. I've been placed as a son, Ephesians 1, 5. A son that has full legal rights to all that the father has. All the privileges of being the son of God. I've been predestined to be like Jesus. Ephesians 1, 11. I'm predestined to have an inheritance. I'm a child of God. Paul goes on to tell us that if you're a child of God, that is, if you're born into his family, and how are you born? Believing in Jesus. When you're saved, you're a child of God. Therefore, you have an inheritance. Every child of God, even those who have not learned to live a life that pleases the Lord as a child of God. Even the most carnal Christian has an inheritance as a son of God. They have eternal life. That's an inheritance. And they have a home in heaven. But the Bible tells us, Paul teaches us, that we can be co-heirs with Jesus Christ, who is the heir of all things. Wow, that's quite the promise. But that, again, comes down to our choice that God has given us. As a child of God, we could rebel against him. Where Our destinies already determined. But where the position that we'll have, the closeness to Christ in heaven, is being determined by whether or not we're going to go on and believe all of the will of God for our lives. He called us. It has several meanings. It does mean to invite and to bid. But this, this calling, those that he foreknew, he predestined, and those that he predestined, he called. The calling there is not the invitation of the gospel that we receive in our lifetime. Because remember, all of these verbs are past tense, right? The word translated called here also means to be called by name, to receive the name of our Father. From past eternity, God said, Doug is mine. He's my child. I've been called by the name of God. I'm a child of God. I receive the very nature, the divine nature of my father. And those that he called, he justified. Last week we had the doctrine of justification. I stand without blame before the judge of heaven and earth. And it was predetermined before the world began. Again, I didn't know it until I got saved. And even as a five-year-old, I didn't understand predestination. I didn't understand justification. All I knew is, man, I'm a sinner. The Holy Spirit made that clear to me when I was five years old. I wept and I wept like I had killed 20 people. I knew I was a sinner. And then that wave of grace. But I love you and I sent my son to pay the debt of your sins. And just as heavy as that wave of, of guilt was, the peace that filled my heart I'm saved. He loves me. The one that I've offended, he loves me and gave his son to die for my sins. Then little by little, as I grew older, as I grew in the Lord, I began to understand just how great a salvation I had received at five years old. But what assurance. Predestined. Foreknew, predestined, called, justified, and glorified. 
I know you're looking at me and saying, Brother Doug, if that's a glorified body, I don't want one. But in the mind and the purpose of God, it's a done deal. This corruptible body must put on incorruption, and it will. From past eternity, that was already settled. I don't have to worry about it. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one. I often read this at gravesides of the saints. And I've been preaching long enough, even here in this assembly, that I've, I've read this quite a bit. But it's a truth that should cause us to worship and serve the Lord now. Don't wait till the graveside. To know this truth and to let it impact your life. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. The God who knows all things, who knows the end from the beginning, has declared this is what awaits us who believe. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, do you believe that? Do you believe that from past eternity you've been glorified already? If you believe it, therefore... Because this is true, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. How do I know that? Because I know the doctrine of predestination, because he graciously revealed it to me through his word. And anyone who is willing to believe the word of God can know and have this assurance. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing. Paul gives a whole list in Romans 8, and he kind of sums it up. Nothing in life and nothing in death. That pretty well covers it, doesn't it? Nothing you experience. Trials, hardship, rejection, hatred, persecution. Whatever you experience in life, just know. It cannot annul God's predetermined plan and purpose for your eternity. One of my favorite phrases that I'm sure my grandkids get tired of hearing, but put it in perspective. Put everything in perspective. That's how you cope with life, is looking at everything from a a heavenly perspective, an eternal perspective. That's why Paul said that the sufferings of this present time, they're not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. It's, It's already predetermined. It's settled. Rejoice in that. Find your peace in that. And then let it change how you live. Let it make you understand your purpose for living here is to serve Jesus Christ and to tell others about him, as we heard in the song. This is why Paul wrote the Romans in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you. I beg you, Paul says. Therefore, Brethren, by the mercies of God, because he so mercifully provided for us this glorious eternal salvation, by the mercies of God, let that be your motivation, that you present, yield your bodies, a living sacrifice, 
Put your life on that altar and do not reserve anything for yourself, for anyone else. Be like the burnt offering of the Old Testament. It was all for the Lord. It wasn't for anybody else. That's what your life is to be. You live for him. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. We need that exhortation more than ever in this world that is so intent on trying to change who we are. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, that you may experience what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Everything you need for life and eternity you find in the will of God. The doctrine of predestination declares God's sovereignty as well as man's ability to choose. It reveals that God has a plan that cannot be changed. It was set from past eternity, and my destiny is glory. Therefore, I can spend all my time and energy daily seeking the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do until Jesus comes? How is it you want me to spend my life? How can I serve you until Jesus comes? Not if he comes, but when he comes, because my destiny is glory. Thank God for the doctrine of predestination.